a little tiny bit different in God. I, I always, okay, God, what do you want me to share? And he always just says, Heather, share from your heart. Talk from your heart. And so that's what I'm going to do. I'm going to share from my heart. I'm going to share their story. I'm going to share a bit of my story, knowing that their story and my story is interconnected. Um, I'm also really nervous. I've told you before that if you give me a group of little ones, I'm, I'm okay. Give me a group of adults, and I'm terrified. <laughs> so, um, But I, God has placed me um, in Cambodia, and I most days love it. Uh, there are days that I really miss being home. But um, went to Cambodia. I was working with a small, um, a small orphanage. Most of you know that part of the story. What you also know is I had two little girls that I loved, and I miss them every day. Um, but God very clearly separated me and moved me from that orphanage. Um, many people have said they believe they've moved me from that um, orphanage for my protection because they aren't walking with Jesus right now. And in the midst of that, in the process of that, they had decided that I had become an evil person and that I'd become a dangerous person, and they decided to take the girls back. So they're living in the orphanage again, and it breaks my heart every day. But in the midst of that, God also gave me a Cambodian son. And Peter is not at all walking with Jesus right now. Some of you know what that feels like to be a mom and knowing that your child is not walking where he needs to be walking. And he's not. He's, he has gone off into left field. Um, and, but he still comes around and he still sees me. And when he's home, when uh, God has challenged me to have family devotions with my with those that live with me and uh (laughs) so every and and the rule now is that if you eat dinner with me you have family devotions with me and so peter will come home and it's like mom can i have dinner yeah but you know the rule (sighs) do i have to yeah you have to there's no choice so he'll come he'll have dinner with us and if i know he's in a hurry or something like that i'll have everyone that that is around the table. I'll have them, all right, we're going to pray two minutes for Peter, and that's all we're going to do first. So we clear the dishes. We pray for Peter for two minutes, and, um, and then, okay, Mom, can I go now? Yeah, you can go. Love you. Talk to you later. And he leaves. And if you pray my style, you pray um, all at the same time out loud. So he hears six of us praying specifically for him that God would draw him back. And I pray that God would do whatever it takes to draw him back. Peter has, last year, Pastor didn't introduce me, or do I need to do something different? Okay. Last year, Pastor didn't have me come up and share everything, and that, and that, was, that was my choice. Last year, um, I came home very unexpectedly, and I came home because, um, in a way, disaster had struck my household again. Um, I live with five Cambodians. They're all extroverted except for one, and I'm very much an introvert. And uh, so it's very challenging sometimes. But um, last year, Peter, um, Cambodia, Cambodia is a really dark country. Cambodia is a country in which um, Satan has had a very strong grip on the country for thousands of years. Cambodia is a country that love is very, very conditional. If you're doing something for me, you must love me. But if you're not doing something for me, you must hate me. Um, And last year, um, Peter lost his mom when he was about seven. Um, God very clearly told me that I needed to take him in and that I needed to love him. And I needed to love him unconditionally. And I didn't know how to do that. 
I argued with God, actually. Those of you that don't know that part of the story, I argued with God. I said, God, he doesn't want a mom. He's 14. He doesn't want a mom again. He doesn't want to have that authority over him again. And God said, Heather, are you going to obey me or not? And things happened. And it was hard. My sister, at one point, when the girls were taken, my sister, you know, she called me and she said, Heather, just come home. I said, it's not that easy. I have Peter. We'll pack him up and bring him too. People here in the States, they said, just Heather, come home. You can't do this. You can't do this alone. People looked at me and said, and I said, if I were married, this wouldn't even be an issue. And they said, yeah, you're right. It wouldn't. And I said, God, did I hear you wrong? Am I making a mistake? Have I made a mistake in bringing Peter into my home? And God said, Heather, keep walking. So it doesn't look right. It doesn't look good. And God simply said, Heather, are you going to obey me or not? Take him in and love him. And I said, okay. So I brought Peter into my home along with several other Cambodians that came from the orphanage. And then about a year ago, Peter looked at me, came home from work. I I knew this is me being real. Missionaries don't have it perfect. Knew that he struggled with, um, knew that he struggled with loving boys. Knew that that was part of him, and knew that it was part of him simply because he was abused as a little boy. And we talked about it, and I, I told him, I said, even. If it's true, you know where we stand, you know what the Bible says, but I will still love you. And he kept telling me, but mom, you know, I'm trying, I'm trying. And I'm like, Peter, you can't change your heart by yourself. God is the one who has to do that. And I have said from the beginning, it's going to be Cambodians who change Cambodia. And even though right now Peter's not walking where he needs to be walking, he's going to. And I came home from school one day, and he's just in tears. And I was like, sweetheart, what's wrong? He's like, Mom, I have to tell you I've been lying to you. I said, yeah, I know you have been, so what is it that you're lying to me about? Told me, some other, told me a couple other things that I knew, and I was just, God just kept saying, Heather, let him come. And you love him. So that's what I did. I let him come. He finally confessed to me, and then his last confession was, Mom, Jan isn't my, just my friend. He's my boyfriend. And you know, I, I looked at Peter, and I said, Sweetheart, I still love you. But more importantly, Jesus still loves you. And you're already forgiven. And I shared that, that God works in pictures in my heart. And um, I could see the chains around Peter's heart that Satan has put there. And when he, had, when he confessed to me, when he finally came out and said, this is what's happening, Mom, I saw two links of the chain fall. Because God promises us that the truth will set us free. But in the midst of that, Satan has now grabbed a hold of Peter and has, has his, his hand so tightly around Peter. 
And Peter has gone off into left field. And he doesn't care anymore. Eh, He does in a way. He hates it when I pray for him. (laughs) He he hates it, but he knows that that's the consequence of eating dinner with me. (laughs) Or coming over to visit me. He talked about moving in again and... uh, and I was just like, okay, there, there are things that are going to be different this time. And, and one of those things is you're going to church. And I realized that I, I made a mistake before when I didn't make him go to church. So Peter, I pray and I ask that you would pray for Peter. That you would pray that God would do truly whatever it takes to bring him back. Because he knows the truth. And I've told him it's not your fault. You were abused at you you were abused by as a little kid and it was abuse from a man so it's not your fault but it's your, it's how you respond now and so i pray i ask that you would pray for peter that you would pray that god really would do whatever it takes to bring him back and that he would be spared unnecessary pain but in the pain that he has to endure that he would just be drawn back to jesus Because I know that he's going to have an incredible testimony in which he's going to stand before Cambodian men and say, there is freedom in Jesus. Because there is. And so often when you hear about third world countries, you hear about the girls that have been abused and the girls that that are being sold and all of that kind of thing. But you know what? My experience in the last couple of years is that it's more prevalent with the boys than it is with the girls. And the, the boys are forgotten. It's a shameful thing. So it's just not talked about. But I want to, um, but Peter's, Peter's ex actually lives with me as well, and he also now calls me mom. And he has a pretty incredible testimony. And I would just, the way that the testimonies ended up working, they didn't work quite as well as I wanted them to. But um, I do have uh, Gideon's, so if you guys could put up the boy um, put him up, and I'm just going to let him start a little bit, and then so you can hear and know that it's from him and his heart, and then I'm going to read his testimony to you, just so you can hear the difference in the contrast between what Peter is going through and how he's gone off into left field, and this is his ex-boyfriend, um, who's now pressing hard into Jesus. He says, hello, my name is Gideon. Right now I'm a student in grade 12, and I want to tell you my story, the story of my past life. Before I had happiness in my family because my mom really loved me, but when I was nine, my parents divorced and I was left all alone. I did not get to stay with my mom, but I had to live with my dad. My father promised to take care of me, but when I was in grade two, ready to go to grade three, my dad stopped me. My dad wanted to make me stay in grade two, and I agreed because I remembered his promise to me, the promise that he would take care of me. But instead of taking care of me, he left me all alone for about four or five years. He left me alone or with other people that I didn't even know. And then I didn't know what job I should do to help pay for school, so I started just doing things that people told me to do so that I could earn money for school. During this time, I had a cousin who took me to a church to study English. 
I studied there and I heard about God. I was so young that I had not heard anything about Jesus before. I did not know who or who he was or what he did. I thought going to church would make me happy because every day I had a snack and I had friends and I was learning English and all of it was for free. When the church had a dancing program called Give Thanks to God, I learned the dances and I got to be part of it. When guests would come to church, I got to be the one that showed them around. I asked Jesus into my heart, but then the pastor started talking to me about playing around too much, and then I was afraid to go to church more. And so once again, I was left all alone. It was during this time that my uncle came to me and he told me that I could help him with something. And when I questioned about how I could help him, he told me that if I would just have sex with him, it would make him feel better. And at first I told him no, but then he kept coming to me over and over again. And because I was left all alone, there was no one there to protect me. Then one day my uncle came with drugs and beer, and he used them to force me to sleep with him. And then this happened over and over again, every time that my uncle knew that I was alone. And before this, my love for girls was, was normal. But after being forced to have sex with my uncle, I started to think about loving boys. And as I thought and I thought about this, I decided I didn't want to hurt a girl the way that my dad had hurt my mom because he had beat her. I didn't want to be like my dad, and the only way that I knew not to be like my dad was to love boys. And at first I thought, ah, maybe I'll just try to love boys, but it was not really my true feelings. I was just curious what it would be like. But the more I thought about it, the deeper and deeper my feelings became. And my thoughts were like a bridge to my actions. I began to really think about loving boys, and then I wanted to have a boy as a partner. Then one day I came in to live in this house with Mom, Heather. She's talking about me at this point. When I came, of course, I did not know her as Mom. I didn't know her at all, but I knew her through her adopted Cambodian son, Peter. She knew me as Peter's friend, and she treated me with kindness. And then one day, though, she, could not, she found out that it was not, I was not just Peter's friend, but I was his boyfriend, and that we actually called each other husband and wife. When she first found out, she got very angry, and I was very scared. But God wanted to restore me, and so I think that is why God made her find out. When she was angry, I thought that I would not get to stay at her house anymore. I thought I would have to go back to my dad's house and endure his yelling and his hitting. I thought I would not get to stay, but because of God and her love from God, I still get to live with her, and I call her mom. I thank God that he has let me to know his love because I was a person who didn't have any love. I was looking for love. All the love I found was from the world, and it was only for a minute. No matter how much love the world gave me, it never fulfilled my heart. And when I met mom, I began to really know God. He let me know his love for me and that I am his child. God gave me true love a warmness and a peace like I had never had from my biological family. God also gave me an understanding to speak English better. God has done a lot of things in this life, in, this past, in my life in this past year. One example is a way that God always provides. When we moved house, we needed money to buy some things. I prayed and prayed about the money that we needed. At church, he asked me to give him his, his la, my last 1,000 real. Um, and just let me break for a minute. 1,000 real is like 25 cents. So just, just keep that in mind. So he, God asked me to give my last 1,000 real. So in the offering, so by faith, I put it in the offering bag. That night, got, Mom got an email from a friend saying that she had received $1,000 into her PayPal account. God took my 1,000 real and turned it into $1,000. 
He answered my prayer way more than I expected. And let me just break here. You should have seen him. (laughs) He was jumping around my room ecstatically because he knew beyond a shadow of a doubt that God had taken his little 25 cents and changed it to $1,000 for us. So back to what he says. Before my name was Jan, but God gave me the new name of Gideon. God has made me strong, and I'm overcoming all of my problems with his help. Everything in my past, God has brought healing and broken all the chains. Even though sometimes I do not listen to him, he forgives me, and he has given me hope. He has given me a vision to design and design people, um, to pastor people is what he means, which is why I want to go to Bible school in November. God will help me to, to design all the people who were just like me, the people who lack love. I will understand their feelings, and I know that I can help them. Thank God for all of the things that God has done. I'm not angry with God because of what he has done or let me live through. He is, done, he is doing things in my life to make my life better. Thank you for listening to my story. I hope that what I share will touch someone's heart. I want you to know that I'm sharing not just from my mouth. It is from God, and it is from my heart. Thank you for letting me share my story with you. God bless you. So I have a young man who lives with me and calls me mom. He's lived very much a similar path as Peter. They both were abused when they were little. And um, in about two or three months, so this was last year, about two or three months before their breakup, I, I had been challenged. God challenged me while I was with them to pray over the purity of their bed of the bed that they would be pure and that they would truly be as brothers and nothing more. I didn't want to believe him. I I wanted to believe that Peter had been telling me the truth. And then about two months later, Gideon came to me and said, at that time he still called me Bong Heather. He said, Bong Heather, I have to break up with Peter because Jesus doesn't want us living like that anymore. It's wrong. Jesus doesn't want me to live with that. And I, I love your son, but I can't be his boyfriend anymore. And it broke my heart, not because God was answering prayer, but because Peter was being hurt so desperately bad. And I just wanted to protect Peter, and I couldn't. But Gideon has pressed hard into Jesus, and Peter has gone off. But that's okay, because I believe with all of my heart, and we pray for it almost daily, God is going to bring Peter back, and the two of them are going to stand on a stage before Cambodian men and say, there's freedom in Jesus. We're living proof. It's a stronghold, and it's in a dark country, and it's still such a shameful thing. And I, I, you know, I get back here, and like within a week of being back, the, you know, law has passed that it's it's okay to marry. And Gideon, Gideon knows that it's wrong, and he'll tell you it's wrong. And he still struggles, and he still knows that there's still sometimes that he's just like, Mom, it's so hard, it's so hard. A couple Sundays ago before I left, he was like, Mom, you know, Jesus reminded me during prayer time that um, I was supposed to, I told him I would read my Bible every day before I go to bed, and I keep forgetting, will you help me remember? So every night before he goes to bed now, he brings his Bible to me, and I will read a verse in, in English, and he reads the next verse in Kamai, and then we finish together reading the last verse of the chapter out loud together, English and Kamai. And he's like, Mom, you know, when I've been, I've been waking up bad in the middle of the night and going to the bathroom, and instead of me just going back to sleep, I've been getting on my phone and playing on my phone. Can you keep my phone at night for me? Yep. 
So he'll walk into my room, and I'm like, where's your phone? He's like, oh, I forgot it, and he runs back, and he gets it. He's a young man that God has changed his life, and he's pressing into Jesus. And I will be there to love him and encourage him as long as he's doing that. Peter is a young man who's not pressing into Jesus, but he's still someone that Jesus says, Heather, love him. Love him unconditionally. It's not your job to judge him. It's your job to love him. So love him. I have another young man that lives in my house. He doesn't call me mom. I I told him he can't. He's too old to call me mom Um, because he's like 23. But he's a young man that God has, has changed his name to John because he wanted, God needed him to know that he was a beloved son, just as John the apostle was the beloved apostle, the beloved disciple. Because John was born and he was supposed to be a girl. And because he was supposed to be a girl, which is what his dad wanted, his dad wanted a girl. His dad bought clothes for a girl. He was born as a boy and his dad still dressed him like a girl. His dad wanted a daughter so badly that he went out to one of the poor communities and bought two girls so he could have daughters. So God has named this young man John because he wants him to know it's okay to be his son. And the day that I told John what God, what I believed God was changing his name to, he just started crying. And I said, John, what's wrong? And he said, when I was on that retreat, Bong Heather, God called me John, but I didn't know why. Now I know why. But see, John, had, he'd been living his whole entire life trying to be a girl so that he could get the love and affection of his father. He was saving money to go out of the country as a boy and to come back as a girl so that his father would love him. That is beyond my comprehension. I I don't understand how you could not love your child that much to actually your child going through something like that. I don't get it. I don't understand. And God says, Heather, love. Show him my love. And I don't, just so you know, I don't go around just trying to change people's names. Um, I'm doing, I, I've been working through a Bible study by Priscilla Shire, um, Tony Evans' daughter, and uh, it's on Gideon. And uh, in one of her messages, she talked about how when God approached Gideon in the cave, he was hiding. He was terrified. He was threshing the wheat in the wine cellar because the Midianites were coming and they were going to be attacking. And so he was afraid. He was scared. And yet when the angel of the Lord appeared to Gideon, called him Gideon, valiant warrior. And she equated that how, you know, he wasn't a valiant warrior when God approached him in the, in the cave. I mean, he was scared. He was hiding out. And yet God called him a valiant warrior. God called him by his potential, not by who he was at that moment in time. Very next day at church, the pastor referred to Simon. When Jesus approached Simon, Jesus changed his name from Simon and called him Peter because you will be the rock on which I build the church. And yet we all know what happened to Peter. He denied Jesus three times. And yet Jesus called him by his potential, not by who he was, but who he was going to be. And then we were challenged in that message to think about our Cambodians and that we interact with and to think of and to pray about names for them, to call them names by their potential. And so Gideon came right away to me for Gideon. Um, and John, it took a long time. I, I was like, 
God, why, can't, why aren't you giving me a name for Sokyu? And then I heard a story. And as I cried and prayed over him, I said, God said, Heather, call him John. So I don't, I don't call him Sokyu anymore. And when anyone else in the house calls him you, I'm like, his name isn't, his name isn't Sokyu. His name is John. If they call Gideon Jan, I'm like, that's not his name. His name is Gideon. Because God has changed their name. Because they are sons of the King of Kings and Lord of Lords now. And God tells me to love them. Even when they drive me crazy. <laughs> to love them and to love them unconditionally. Because see, before they, they've been rejected their entire life. People like Peter and Gideon, they, they say their story and they're not accepted. They're not um, loved, but they're rejected. And God has told me, and there's actually, in all reality, I think, I, I'm confident that God used a couple here. When I taught in Akron, he used a family here to teach me to not judge, but to love. So I have Gideon and John who live with me and live in my household. I have Ratna and Shanti who came from the orphanage that I originally came that I originally went to work with, and they, they came to me and they both said, "Bung Heather, it, it's just not good." I, I'm not. One of them came and said, "I don't have enough food to eat at night. Can I please, you know, can I just move in?" And I told Ratna, I said, "Okay, just just stay for Christmas. That way you get your Christmas gifts, and then you can come to me in January." He's like, okay, Bong Heather, that sounds good. But you know what? He's such a good kid that he came before Christmas because he didn't want them to buy him Christmas gifts if he wasn't even living there. That's how good of a kid he is. He doesn't have a mom and dad. He doesn't, he's never heard. He has no clue who his parents are. And he's learned how to play the guitar, and he plays on the worship team every single Sunday. And when he gets stressed or worried or, you know, just whatever, he pulls on his guitar and he starts playing God songs. They're usually in Kamai, but that's okay because I know they're God songs. And then if Shanti's anywhere around, Shanti starts singing with him because Shanti's got a really incredible voice. And both of them, God has challenged me to remind them that they will be the father to the fatherless because they know what it's like to not have an earthly father. Shanti has such a heart for the street kids. And he could have been one of them. So Ratna and Shanti live with me as well. And then I have Hosanna. Hosanna drives me crazy. All of them do at times. But I love her to death. And God, last time I was home, I actually shared with you and asked you, okay, so not last time, two times ago, um, I asked you to pray about being able to disciple some of the the older girls that were in the orphanage. And God has totally given that to me. Um, And then a bunch of boys as well, which I wasn't expecting and wasn't asking for. Um, But again, know that God used my time in Akron when I kept getting classroom filled with boys, that he, he used that to prepare me for having a household of boys. But Hosanna is my other one. And she, she is in a wheelchair. She's a throwaway in Cambodian's eyes. She's a throwaway because she's in a wheelchair. And if you're in a wheelchair, if there's anything physically wrong with you or mentally wrong with you or any, anything wrong at all, you are a throwaway because you must have done something wrong in your previous life and you've come back and now you have to pay penance. So she's a throwaway. 
but not in God's sight. And Hosanna is a beautiful young lady who seeks Jesus with um, most days with everything that she has in her. When she forgets that and when she gets down and when she gets discouraged, I will, I will look at her and I'm like, Hosanna, who are you? And she'll be like, I'm a child of the King of Kings. I'm like, I'm sorry, I didn't hear that. I'm a child of the King of Kings. I'm sorry, what did you say? Oh, I'm a princess of the King of Kings. Okay, what did you say? I didn't hear you yet. And I make her say it louder and louder and louder. And then I make her say it about 50 times in her heart language so that she's saying it to herself in her heart language so that she knows that she is a daughter of the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. And she cracks me up because... She goes through those times where she gets really discouraged that she's in a wheelchair. She thinks that she can do so much more if she weren't in a wheelchair. She thinks that she could own a restaurant or just be better if she could walk. And I have told her over and over again, I said, Hosanna, God has you in that chair for a reason. I don't know why, but he has you in that chair for a reason. You need to be content in that chair. And she's like, ba-bong, Heather. I'm like, don't ba-bong, Heather, me. Just do it. And I've told her so many times, I'm like, you know what? There are going to be people in Cambodia who are going to listen to you and know that you understand them. They're going to listen to you when you tell them about Jesus because they're going to look at you and they're going to say, oh, she understands. They're going to look at me and they're going to say, she doesn't understand. She doesn't know what she's talking about. And she's like, no, that's not true, Bong Heather. That's not true. And I'm like, yeah, it is. There's going to be Cambodians who listen to you that won't listen to me because you will understand and I don't. She went on a retreat weekend away with God, and she came back, and she was so excited. She's like, if she could jump up and down, she would have been jumping up and down. She was so excited to tell me. She's like, Bong Heather, Bong Heather, guess what God told me? I said, what did God tell you? She said, You'll never believe what God told me. I'm like, Hosanna, just tell me. And so she finally said, Bong Heather, God told me that there's going to be people in Cambodia that won't listen to me, that won't listen to you, but they'll listen to me because I understand and you don't. I said, oh, really? (laughs) Yes, that sounds familiar. (laughs) Um, But I've I've had her share her testimony as well, and so I'll just let her start and then... um, And then I'll read her testimony, but I'll let you hear her voice first. She says, good morning, brothers and sisters. Today I'm happy and a little bit scared to tell you about my life. My name is Hosanna. Before, I lived in an orphanage called Baikota. At Baikota, I lived there for seven years. I went there because I can't walk. My parents live in an upstairs room, so I couldn't go to school because it was difficult to get around, and a Christian organization took me to Baikota. When I moved there, I started to know Jesus. A friend named Bung Lin, he told me about Jesus and told me the good news, and he led me to know Jesus. The reason I could receive Jesus was that Bung Lin told me that all have sinned. God has taught me so much in my life and has worked in my life. Before, I was the sort of person who was not very loving with my family. And since I was at Bicota, I've had a very difficult time. It's not easy. It, It is difficult to be away from my family. It's not like being with your family. I stayed together with many, many children, and you cannot receive all the love that you need, as there are lots of people. So my life was difficult for me, but it's not like I'm the only one that had problems. 
God has helped me to cope and to guide my life each day. He has a plan for my life, especially now that I don't live at Bicota anymore. I live with my family in Jesus Christ. Now I live with big sister Heather, or Bong Heather. She looks after me very well. Also, I have work now. Not that I work outside, but I cook food at home. I cook food for staff at Hope School, and Hope School is the school that I'm teaching at now. Um, This is the way that God has taught me, and I have received blessings of God on my life. God has changed my life so much. I'm so happy that he blessed me with Bong Heather to come to Cambodia so that she could care for me. She's a good person. Sometimes we have problems, but I can always work them out, and we can forgive each other. She's the person that God used to help me and my family, and I'm very happy. I've not yet received everything I need for my future, for God has given me one dream. I want to open a restaurant of my own. God has given me this picture and has shown me that he will use this restaurant to show his love and give people hope. I ask God, how can this be? I don't have any resources or money to do this. How would I open a restaurant with no money? But God told me to trust him, that he has a plan for me and I just need to trust him. He will let me use this restaurant for him and I just need to trust and have hope. So now I trust God. Sometimes I get discouraged too, for I want to know when he will answer me. How long will it be before he answers me? But I know that he will bring it one day when I have waited long enough. The time that he thinks that I can open a restaurant. I remember that God blesses me and he has given me this idea of a restaurant in my future to give me a good future. So please, everyone, please join me in praying to God for the money that I need to start this business and to pray that I can keep food that is tasty and have the good health to be able to cook and do this job. Thank you to everyone for giving me your time to listen and watch me on video. Which means, God bless you. Thank you. When it happens, not if it happens, but when it happens, when Hosanna's restaurant opens, she will be the first Cambodian in all of Phnom Penh who owns anything, who is a handicapped because handicaps don't own anything. You see lots of them around. You see lots of them that are working. They work in Christian NGOs and nonprofit organizations, and they make, you know, little trinkets and crafts and, you know, for foreigners who come and tour and, you know, souvenir-y type things. But none of them own anything. Hosanna will be the first to give people like her hope because there is hope in Jesus and there is freedom in Jesus so people have people I know have questioned my still being there but let me assure you and I hope that you hear it from my heart God still has me there as much as I Love worshiping with you. I always know when Mel's not here because I don't get to sing with you on Facebook. Um, I love that he does that every Sunday. As much as I miss worshiping here, as much as I miss Brayden and Ruthie and my mom and dad and Cassie and James, as much as I miss Liz and her kids, I know beyond a shadow of a doubt that I am where I'm supposed to be. There is no doubt in my mind that Cambodia is where I'm supposed to be. There is no doubt in my mind that God is on the move in a country that is very, very dark and Satan is losing his power. 
And my five guys are on the front lines. And I keep telling them over and over again, you know what? It's about you guys. You guys are the ones that are going to change this country. It's not going to be me, but I'm going to be standing in the background and I'm cheering you on. Because it's going to be you that, are, that change this country for God. And so that's what I'm doing. And Satan is losing finally. He is losing his grip. It's still dark and spiritual warfare is, oh my goodness, strong. I never knew really what spiritual warfare was until I moved to Cambodia. There's been times that Hosanna has actually come under attack of the evil one and I have, I've prayed over her and I've taken her and she has yelled and screamed at me and she has said, I'm not, I'm not Hosanna anymore. And she has yelled and screamed and we pray and we worship and we read the scripture in her heart language. I pray it in English. But there's people around that do it in Kamai and she yells and screams in their face. One particular time, Hosanna, about two hours we went through this, just praying over Hosanna. And she finally, it was like she woke up from a dream, and she looked around and she's like, Mong Heather, why are we at church? (laughs) I'm like, "Uh, yeah, because I couldn't handle it anymore. Satan doesn't want to lose control. He doesn't want to see the country of Cambodia for him, for, for God. He doesn't want to see Cambodians stand strong in Jesus. But Cambodians are beginning to stand strong in Jesus. And he tells me, Heather, love them. Show them my love and cheer them on. So I have five that live with me. I have Peter, who doesn't live with me but comes over pretty often. I have people from the orphanage that keep coming to me and saying, okay, Miss Heather, can you pray for me? Or um, I, I have one, actually, that used to live with me, no longer lives with me. He lives somewhere else now, but he came to visit. And because I wasn't there when he showed up at my house, he's waiting at my house for me to get back. <laughs> and when I get back, he'll say hi. I'll give him a big hug. I'll t- remind him that I love him. And he'll say, I love you too, Mom. And then he'll get on a bus and go back home. Most of you know that I've, I've, my heart's desire from the time I was a little girl was to be a mom. And I'm a mom. Not in the traditional sense of the word. Because for whatever reason, God hasn't given me my man yet. But I have one that lives with me calls me mom. One that comes on a regular basis and calls me mom. One who every once in a while calls me mom, he'll sneak it in. Shanti doesn't, he doesn't really call me mom yet, but every once in a while if he's having a really bad day or just needs a hug, he'll come up to me and he'll give me a hug and he'll be like, I love you mom. And then he'll run away. And I have my two girls. They're still mine. They don't live with me anymore, but they're still my girls. And I just trust that one day God has promised to turn beauty from ashes. And there's a lot of ash right now in Cambodia. But God is going to make it all beautiful in his time. Because it's all about him. I pray on a regular basis, Jesus. I don't want them to see Heather. I want them to see you. I don't want them to see Heather. I want them to see Jesus. 
So help me to be a pure reflection of who you are. And I don't do it perfectly. I mess up. And when I go to them and apologize, they're like, you shouldn't apologize to me, Bong Heather. Mom, why are you apologizing to me? Because I did something wrong. Yeah, but you're older than we are. You're not supposed to do that. But I did something wrong and I need to ask your forgiveness. And that's unheard of for Cambodians. It's a shame-based culture. But God doesn't shame them into anything. God says, Heather, love them. Love them as I have loved you. And that's what I strive to do. And so I desperately need your prayers. Because the warfare that is happening right now in Cambodia is very, very strong. And I know beyond a shadow of a doubt that I could not be there without you praying behind me. Just as Moses was standing at the sea and needed to hold his arms up, there are days I'm like, God, I can't hold it up anymore. And he reminds me, or I get an email from someone saying, Heather, we're praying for you. You guys are those that are holding my arms up. I can't do it without you. God doesn't call everyone to go. I am one that he's called to go. But you are called to pray. All of us are called to pray. And so I appreciate your, this church so much. I am very thankful for the love that I have gotten and received and just the welcoming. And I miss you <laughs> when I'm gone. I was so excited. Like I said, I'm so excited when I, on Sunday nights, wait up Sunday nights or Monday morning and get to sing with you on Facebook. I love it when I get to sing, when Nikki started coming back and I was like, yay, Nikki's back. When Mariah started joining and she started singing, I was like, yes, Mariah's up there singing. I don't get to watch Victor because Mel stands right there and does pretty much just them. But that's okay. I know he's over there. So I thank you. I thank you for just giving me the chance to share my heart, um, to share a bit of their story, a bit of the stories of those that I live with that God has challenged me to love and to love unconditionally. And um, I just thank you for your prayers. And um, I'll see you again in two years because I leave on Friday. <laughs> so, um, yeah, sombram batimbo, which means God bless you. Okay. Right. I'm trying to, Camp. <laughs> in closing, I, there are several things that I was... Uh, that brought to my attention as Heather was speaking. I want to read Ephesians 1 and 1 Timothy chapter 5. But first, I want to say this. Within our testimony, we are seeing how the gospel was being preached from this missionary. We hear about stories about missionaries, like Pastor Saeed Abedini, Asa Bibi, who was in Pakistan, where the charges was dropped against her for proclaiming Jesus. We also hear about other missionaries, the two 
Sudanese uh, missionaries who are in prison right now. So whenever we hear stories about missionaries proclaiming Christ, it is an awesome thing to hear. Here's the witness. Here's the testimony standing in our faces. As she was speaking, this is what was uh, brought to my attention. Ephesians chapter 1, verses 3 through 6. It says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places, even as he has chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before him. In love, he predestined, predestined us for adoption as sons through Jesus Christ. As sons through Jesus Christ. One more thing. First Timothy chapter 5, verse 1 and 2. It says, do not rebuke an older man, but encourage him as you would a father, younger men as brothers, older women as mothers, younger women as sisters in our purity. When she was sharing her testimony, she have she has adopted five Cambodians as their own, as her own. Just like our father has adopted us. God is using Heather to be a mother for her kids. That is not biological to her. And this particular test is applicable to every young man and everybody and to her kids. Because this is Paul telling Timothy, who was a young man, to look at older women as mothers. So that is why her sons is calling her mother. And Hosanna is calling her sister. This is what God is doing through her. Becoming a mother to the fatherless. So, I want to bring that up because that's what I heard. That was an impress upon my heart. Another thing I want to do is have the elders to come up here and to pray for Heather. Okay? So, all the elders, come up and pray for Heather. <laughs> 